So in this session, uh, we're going to talk about some of the key structures and systems. Um, and as we talk, I guess one of the things I want you to assume is that there's lots of principles, gospel principles, uh, behind the things that we uh, have put in place. Uh, and, uh, but right up front, I guess there are three kind of ob observations that we've made over time. Now, we sat down, the three of us, and thought through these things uh, together. And there's three core obs observations that we think determine the type of pathway that we build. The first is the long-term nature of conversions, okay? So many, many of you will have heard the rhetoric, uh, you know, kind of that, that rhetoric that goes, the Billy Graham days are over, we're now living in a post-Christian uh, climate, and so we need to adapt and change accordingly in our evangelistic efforts. Now, that's true, uh, but I don't actually think we're in really kind of strange times. Uh, I think we're actually in times that echo the New Testament times. Paul, when he arrived in town, what would he do? Well, he'd go to the, the, the synagogue and he would spend time over the course of weeks and months reasoning with them from the Scriptures. So in Acts chapter 17, he says, it says, so he reasoned in, in the synagogue with both the Jews and God-fearing Greeks. Acts 18, every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. In Ephesus, they arrived where Paul, where, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And so what we see, even in the New Testament, is that evangelism takes time. It always has taken time, but now that we live in this kind of post-Christian world, People need a, a longer run-up at it, if you like. Um, sometimes what we've found is that people will be with us for one to three years before they become a Christian. Uh, and there needs to be not one conversation or not even just one uh, evangelistic series, but there needs to be 50 conversations about Jesus. Uh, and they don't need to meet just one Christian, but they need to meet a community of believers. And therefore, we need to build something that will enable people to dig deeply into Christianity over a long period of time and to drop in and out of that as, as they can. Um, the second thing that we've observed is that everyone can invite, but not everyone can lead someone to Christ. So, as I said before, many, many, in many gospel movements around Australia, we're focused on training up the saints to do one-to-one -one evangelism. And there's lots and lots of benefits to doing this. But despite its merits, uh, there are really only a few people, a small percentage, maybe 5 maybe 10% of your church, that would be able to take somebody from, hey, you know, hey, how you going, all the way through to saved and converted. Okay. And so I think we need to kind of be really realistic about that. There will be some, but not many, who are able to do that. Now, what's the answer at that point? Well, we could run church aiming to create these kinds of people and not really doing much until they're fully mature and equipped as they should be. Or we could set up church so that even the less fully mature person can participate in mission, expressing a growing concern for the lost. So we want to run things that will enable bold invitations from even an unskilled or timid evangelist. And the third thing is that people make decisions rightly or wrongly according to their community. 
Have you noticed that? Uh, a great example of this, of course, is the gun laws in America. Uh, the gun laws in America, 50% of the nation hear the facts about the gun laws and they go, yep, that means we need more guns. And the other 50% of the nation, they hear those same facts and they go, yep, clearly we need tighter gun laws. So facts don't always sway people. Now, obviously, God's word is powerful to save. Um, and so as we present the, the facts of the gospel, it is actually the Holy Spirit that changes people's hearts and minds. But humanly speaking, it's difficult for our people at the moment uh, in a country where Australians simply don't believe in a transcendent interventionist God. Right? And so when we talk about God and the Bible and Jesus, we may as well be talking about unicorns, fairy godmothers and mermaids. And so there's this issue, isn't there, of plausibility. And so for your average Aussie, it doesn't seem plausible that Jesus existed, that he was born of a virgin. I mean, these, these are crazy things to believe, that he died on the cross, that he came back to life, that he ascended to heaven, and he now currently rules over the universe from heaven. And so as we present the gospel message, what they hear will always begin to seem more plausible if they're simultaneously meeting a group of people who all have a common worldview and who are wrestling with that worldview. Therefore, as we work out ways to clearly explain the scriptures to people, we need to do, uh, we do, we need to do that wherever possible in a community. We need an approach to evangelism that means people will meet a community of believers and this will multiply gospel conversations and build plausibility. So here's the, uh, here's the dream system. Okay? You would have seen this in your booklets as well, in the booklets that you got handed out earlier and they'll be talking about aspects of this tomorrow in our plenary sessions. Um, in this funnel diagram, what you'll notice is there's three types of events. There's contact multiplication events. And these events are kind of right at the top of the funnel and they're designed to catch lots and lots of people and let them know that your church is there in a really easy and accessible way. Okay, they're often lots and lots of work. They're the carols events or the movie events that, um, that, that Matt has uh, talked about previously. Uh, and they're not just for your church, but for, they're for the community. Okay? They're not just even for your, church's, ch your church people's contacts, but for the wider co community to come along and connect in with. Perhaps this will be their first connection with church and with Christians. Okay? Now, obviously, if you're a small church, this isn't the place you start. But there's those contact multiplication events, there's connection events, and these events are designed to connect your unbelieving friends to other Christians and to Christian things. In other words, these events are smaller and they're designed to introduce your unbelieving friends to church. It's inviting others into the lives of Christians to see what Christian community looks like when it's lived out. So if you're a small church and you want to run a carols event, uh, you could actually do a really small gathering, a really small carols event to start with, and don't call it a contact multiplication event, but make it 
the goal of that event is, is more along the lines of those connection events. It's for the people in your church to bring their friends and family along to. Okay? The third one is your core conversion engine, which Adrian will talk about uh, at length in a moment, and that's your key evangelistic structure. Generally, people will come to an evangelistic course because their friend invited them, and this means running your, I think, running your church evangelistic structures following, if you've got a connection event, following your connection event, and that'll actually give people within your church a really good opportunity to invite them along to it, and those outside the church are the most natural time to, to attend. Um, but just as it's important to... Um, just as it is important to uh, kind of run this core conversion engine, you really need to be running a follow-up series as well. Uh, you don't want to kind of get to the end of the core conversion engine and then have nowhere for them to go after that. Generally, people don't become Christians in the space of five weeks. Uh, they're not yet ready for a growth group experience, and so you want to have something that will help them along that path. Another way of thinking about these events is at the level of engagement for each of these events. So it might be cool engagement, okay? So at the contact multiplication, they're not really connected with people at church yet. They just come along to an event, um, something like carols or the movies or, or things like that. But that might be their first interaction with your church. Uh, warm engagement, uh, usually invited by a friend, Okay, it's looking to deepen relationships further with their Christian friend and their circle of friends. And then finally, you've got deep investigation, much more committed to trying on Christianity. Some of the examples of these events might be things like carols, markets, those sorts of things for contact multiplication. You also need to think about your website and uh, advertising and leafleting and all those sorts of things at that sort of level, at the contact multiplication level. Uh, connection events, we run this thing called Men and Meat. Someone comes along, they carve up a lamb, talk about death and invite people to life. Um, taste is a like a kind of art thing that EV does here. So they do this art thing and you can bring your friends along to that. Uh, we run a thing this Saturday actually called Live at the Hub and it's basically a bunch of our musicians uh, put together a set and play set after set after set throughout the afternoon and evening. You can bring your family along and there's fire pits and all that sort of stuff as well. Once you kind of have that framework in place of contact multiplication, connection events and your core conversion engine, the, you can then ask the question, what is the purpose of this event that I'm running? And you can do that thing where you have those very clear goals in mind that Matt was talking about. And clear goals, as we said before, is super important because if you don't have clear goals, there's not really any way of thinking about whether or not this has been an effective uh, event to run. Okay, so EV, they run carols here, but carols now is inside the auditorium that we're in this morning, which means it's a much more controlled environment and it's much easier for them to give a very clear gospel explanation uh, at their carols event. And so they they pitch it as a contact multiplication event, um, which changes how far and why they cast the advertising, but they really get a wonderful crack at explaining the gospel 
at that event as well. We run carols, we run it in a local park, and for us, it sits at the level of contact multiplication and making Newcastle aware that we exist and raise the profile of Jesus in our community. And we preach the gospel there, but it's actually really hard to have a clear gospel presentation in the park um, where people are engaging with it and listening to it the whole time. So the big goal of carols for us uh, is that contact multiplication and then we want to see the next thing for them, we want them to come to Christmas church or to our Summerfest equivalent, our big, we call it our Wave Kids Club program. And that works two ways. Um, it works for us because um, we, we do get a bunch of families who come to Wave every year and their first contact with us is at Carol's. Okay? Uh, but also it helps our congregation member because the invitation to Carol's makes the next invitation even easier within church. And so you want to ask uh, these sorts of questions about the events you're running. Some of the events that you want to think about really carefully are Easter and Christmas church. Okay, uh, How do we get people there? Uh, what's the next step that you want people to take at that event? And you really only want to give them one option. Okay, You want to be really clear on what the next step for them might be if they want to continue to pursue Jesus. Playgroups, there's lots and lots of churches that run playgroups, but a lot of them don't have any kind of clear purpose. Are you just kind of carrying on a legacy or is there a clear purpose in mind? Uh, carols or something like that, what kind of event is this for you? What are you expecting? Are you expecting conversions through a gospel talk or are you simply wanting to create an event that will provide warm engagement within your church? Um, with your church, I should say. So the important thing is you need a plan. You need a plan. Um, here's a few uh, common mistakes we make. Uh, we can head home from a conference like this and we can go shotgun method and just put on lots and lots of events and you know go home and do this mad flurry of a whole bunch of events, but there's no thought of flow from one event into another. We can start something without any goals or clear purposes marked out clearly that you can then never kill because they've become sentimental to the church or the person who's running it for you. Uh, you can start with a bang, right? Go home and, and advertise your Christianity Explored series and you run it, but then there's nowhere to go next. There's no follow-up leaders or there's no plan out, out, out the back of that. Or you can do this thing where you bite off more than you can chew. Um, and... And so I want to say, don't even start your core conversion engine before you're ready uh, to, start, to start the follow-on series, okay? Don't, don't even start doing that until you're ready to actually push people through into the next series. Every event you run needs to have the next step in mind. The other thing to be aware of is that people won't follow your ideal next step. And Matt's going to talk a little bit later about the back end and how, how to pursue people who have kind of dropped in and out of the structures. But people investiga investigating Jesus tend not to follow the plan correctly. An example is Heather. Um, I've been engaging with Heather this week on email. She's been in and around church for seven years. Uh, when she first joined us, she was a crazy atheist 
and would argue constantly with you about, about Christianity. She's done life two times. She's been in a growth group. She's done our Connect series. This year, she's been at church almost every single week for the last six months. She hasn't become a Christian yet, but she's becoming softer and softer towards the gospel. And every now and then, I, talk, uh, I catch her talking about Christian things as the things we believe. And I go, oh, do you believe that now? And she goes, no, 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 no I don't. <laughs> but she's so close. She's so close. So don't be surprised if people don't follow the system, okay? One of the things, uh, don't follow the system. I'm actually, I think I might just stop there and I'm going to let Matt jump up. Um, tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, calendar and organising your calendar, uh, but we'll do that in the big session. So if you're at the big session tomorrow, you'll get to kind of hear that sort of stuff. I want to give enough time to, for Matt and Adrian um, to talk about the things that they're going to be talking about. So, Matt, do you want to come up? Okay, so again, I'm going to do some more practical stuff. Uh, you can have all the front-end uh, things happening in the pathway and the funnel and that sort of stuff, but you need a good back-end to supplement all the things that you're doing up front. And so the back-end uh, is really about how do you capture all the, the mission contacts uh, that you have? How do you know who they are within your church? Uh, how do you follow them up? Who's responsible for following them up? All that sort of, sort of stuff. Now, how you want to do this there's millions of different ways, uh, depending on what systems you have in your church. If you have Elvanto or something like that, there's systems you can use there. I've tried those things. I don't think they work very well for what I'm trying to do, so I've gone back to a Google spreadsheet. I've just uh, taken part of my Google spreadsheet and put it on this page so you can have a look at it, removed some names and changed some names in there. Um, but essentially, what I think you need to do to supplement all the stuff you're doing, is you, you've got all these people coming to different events, you're running a life series or explore or whatever it is, and you've got all these people coming along, and you want to be able to uh, track where they're up, what steps they have taken within the pathway within your church, what do you think is the best next step for those people, uh, who's responsible for them, uh, and as you grow a team within uh, a mission, um, it's not just you who's responsible for this. As you get more and more contacts, I believe at the moment I have about 45 non-Christian active contacts within our church. Now, I can't know all those people, let alone be responsible and keep up with all those people. And so I need to build a mission team around me who can also take responsibility for some of those uh, people. Um, now, as Sam said, some of them are going through the pathway nice and neatly, while others are sort of coming in and out over time. Uh, and I think the other thing you want to do as you are um, writing all these people down and keeping in contact with them is uh, some people will be active contacts, some won't be. And so as people sort of move away from church, you might want to keep an eye on them and put them in a different one. But you know, if, you, if you're still talking about contacts that came to one thing four years ago, they're probably not active contacts in your church anymore and you want to be looking at the ones who are actually active doing things within your church and within your structures. And so let me just run you through some of these because I think here's sort of all the different parts within the pathway that we've created. Now it's, it's no perfect pathway, it's just what we've got so far and I think we're trying to develop and grow that over time. Um, 
but essentially I've just got, got their name and when you click on their name on my spreadsheet, it goes through to their contact details on Avanto and so you want to be able to actually contact them and email them or ring them and so it's important to have those details. But then knowing are they de-churched or unchurched, you can figure out what you want to do there. Um, I want to know are they coming to church regularly, when did they first start coming to church, that sort of stuff. Explore is our, um, is our evangelistic course uh, that runs and so have they come to explore. Explore group is the follow-up that is an ongoing um, course that goes on after that. Uh, are they meeting one-to-one -one with someone? Onboard is our membership course, so as people become Christians and are moving forward in that, uh, are they coming along to onboard and joining into a community group? We have a, a, I call it a mission group, it's sort of a, it's not within our normal pathway, but it's a sort of sub subgroup that some people who don't want to go into our normal pathway, they want to go into this smaller group, so we've created that for them. Uh, it's also tracking as people become Christians, putting it in there. Uh, have they been baptized and given their testimony? We love to celebrate as people become Christians by getting them to do a video testimony. So everyone who becomes Christian at a church, we get them to do a, a video testimony that we show before they get baptized. Uh, it's, it's a bit daunting, uh, I think, um, for them. But in the end, most people now know it's expected because even non-Christians who start coming along to our church see other people get baptised. They know if I become a Christian, that means I'm going to have to get baptised and give my testimony as well. So it's sort of part of the thing now. But it also is a really great discipleship thing for these new Christians to actually sit down and uh, myself or someone else works through, uh, well, what is baptism and why would you want to get baptised? But also, uh, what has God done in your life? How has God saved you? Uh, and it gives them the language to then speak with their friends and their family and people about how they've become, uh, how they've come to faith. Because I think often new Christians um, don't have the language to explain to other people. So we put that in there. Uh, we l I spend a lot of time each week staring at this page and looking at these people and thinking, what is the next step for these people? And so let me give you an example. Um, uh, number three, uh, instead of names. So uh, this is the lady, <laughs> number three. Uh, she's an unchurched lady who has started regularly coming to church. She actually came for about a year uh, before she ever went into any of our pathway stuff because her husband's a Christian and he sort of brought her along. And then finally after about a, a year and me inviting her along a, a bunch of times to come to explore, this year's come to explore, got to the end of that and she's like, Matt, okay, I've done this. I'm starting to understand this whole gospel thing, but, you know, I don't know how to read the Bible. I'm like, well, explore group. That's where we're going to sit down and we're going to actually work through Mark's gospel. So why don't you come to that? She's been going along to that. At the same time, uh, I'm trying to find someone within, uh, someone that she's connected with within that pathway to meet with her one-on-one -on -one and read the Bible. Um, so that sort of thing going on there. Someone like uh, number seven, uh, this is a, a lady who turned up to our church at the start of the year from China, never heard the name Jesus before, wanted to sort of improve her English so she thought a good way to do that would be to come to church and she's very nicely fitted within our pathway and, and over the last six months uh, has come to faith um, and her she's been bringing her uh, husband along as well and he's gone through the whole pathway as well and he's I think he's on his way as well and so um, knowing where people are at knowing what they've done knowing what the next step for them you would like it to be doesn't mean they're going to do that uh, but keeping a track of that um, I think can be a really helpful way of knowing 
who your mission contacts are and yeah, just tracking how things are working. It also helps you figure out, are these, is this pathway working? Uh, are people actually taking next steps within this pathway uh, in their discipleship journey and coming to faith? And how long? Because I think what you see here is we've heard stories, and you guys will know this, people don't become Christians quickly. It's usually over a long period of time. And so having all these different bits within the pathway, depending on where they're at. Um, so I hope that's a really practical thing. I think it's something that if you're not already doing something like this in your church, if you are responsible for the non-Christians, I think this is, the, as Sam said, probably the first thing you need to do is to go and come up with some system to capture all the non-Christians that you currently have because I'm sure all of your churches have already a bunch of people. Uh, plug them all in, figure out where they're at, what's going to be a great next step for them, even just as you invite them to your next, like if you're doing a life course, just knowing who the people are that you can invite and having their phone numbers or their email addresses to do that. I think this is a great thing and it keeps you praying for these people, it keeps you uh, aware of them and it helps you build a team. And so I share this document with all my mission team and I'm ringing, uh, so for the point person, so I'm ringing up James for number two and saying, hey James, your friend, number two, um, he's come to explore group, what do you think is going to be the next step for him? Would you like to meet with him one-on-one? -on -one? Hey, maybe he should come back and do explore again because he still doesn't get the gospel yet. So could you invite him to come back? Can you come with him? Someone else who's praying for him. And it takes the pressure off you because, again, you can't do this, particularly as church grows. You need other people around you who can help you uh, in this great task that we have. So I hope that's a really practical thing. Can I encourage you? to go away and do something like this in your church. It doesn't have to be the same as this, but I, I think it's a really helpful thing. I'll hand over to Adrian. G'day. Good to see you all. People often start laughing when I, they hear my voice for some reason. Um, my name's Adrian. I work here at EV. I'm going to be talking about your core conversion engine. Um, now, it's a sort of area of ministry that I've had a bunch of, um, thanks, uh, with the clicker there, that I've had a bunch of stuff work in over the years, a uh, fair bit of experience, not too experienced at this kind of ministry, standing up in front of a bunch of church workers teaching things. So I'll do my best there, and you guys do your best to listen to me and get as much as you can out of it. Um, now, just to clarify, I think uh, I sort of mentioned before something to an answer to an answer to a question that youth and kids do have uh, sort of the principles in place as well in their world for a core conversion engine, uh, but practically it looks so different. We're sort of separating that out for our conversation here, uh, and I think for the rest of the, the series as well. Um, conference as well. So we're talking about adult conversion. Uh, now for most of us, uh, our adult conversion engine will look like an evangelistic series and a plan, at least a plan, for following up people out of that series. Uh, now how that plays out is going to look different and should look different uh, because of the different contexts that we're in. Uh, and as you've just uh, heard from Sam, it's not, it doesn't stand, this doesn't stand by itself. It's part of a much larger structure or funnel. 
Um, but it is unique within the structure because for a few different reasons. Uh, it is what we're seeking to move adults towards within that structure. Uh, and it's not a one-off service or event uh, or group. Uh, it is something else that goes for a, a long period of time. So it's a, it's a series or a course or a group that people can join and stay in. And it's the part of our pathway that we're designing to uh, communicate, uh, uh, the most fully communicate uh, the message of the gospel uh, and helpfully walk people through what the implications of that is, is for their lives. Uh, now, I'm just going to mention a couple uh, helpful things. Do you want me to do this? Or are you good? I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do it, but we'll see. I've also tweaked my, my notes here a few times while I've been uh, sitting there, so we'll see if the slides still work. Uh, but a couple helpful things, uh, benefits of having a strong conversion engine in your church uh, are uh, it allows inquirers time and space. So I won't spend too long on this. Sam mentioned uh, plenty about that, but that's something that we need to do. Um, adults need... Uh, a long time to explore, to hear. They're a long way back uh, in many cases, so we need to uh, allow them that room. Um, now, the, these structures, say, I'll call it an event, but for you it might look different. These events or series are able to be tailor-built for the outsider. Now, a bunch of times we've mentioned in discussion there that we want to be sensitive to the outsider. What about the cringy person who pray? That kind of thing, we need to be sensitive to that for conviction, for quality and confidence, uh, these structures we're free to shape uh, however we want to be as sensitive to the outside as possible. Unlike a church service, uh, now it, it will equip and help our church members in evangelism. Now that uh, includes the people inviting along uh, their friends and and the people involved in ministry in those structures to make them happen. Um, now, I'll throw the bottom one up in there because a large number uh, of people in your churches who are able to invite, Sam helpfully pointed out that there's a small group of people at our churches who are very good at evangelism and getting big wins there, but there's a, a, there's a much larger group uh, who can invite. And if we have a strong evangelistic core series or course in your group all those guys can get on board with mission and can I just say I don't see this in competition whatsoever like uh, in you know championing something like this in your church you're going to somehow discourage the good evangelists or that that uh personal evangelism isn't going to happen it's just not what I see the the blaring obvious thing that I see that cancels that out is the fact that our very best evangelists are the ones that use our structures the most they're just like finally church has stepped up and they're willing to help me with this, all this great work that i'm doing already um it's it's great and, it, and it's and it's helpful uh the last one i'll finish on this missional momentum so the missional momentum that you can create with a strong core engine thing uh strong event series i don't still I haven't landed on what i'm going to call it yet um yeah you know, this will be where you're able to build that momentum and it will feed the whole pathway, but not just the pathway, the whole ecosystem of your church as you see people converted and grow and settled into church. Uh, now, I think something that we need to... Yes, 
question that we need to just quickly uh, ask uh, before we dig too much into what how we're going to run that is what we are going to run. What are we going to run with? And the answer to that question is what do we get, what do we need? Uh, so I think we need something that is going to present the gospel, something that will allow inquirers the time and the place they need, something that your church can have confidence in, and something that can grow. Now what I'm going to do over the next little bit is just sort of pick those things and offer some hopefully helpful ideas and thoughts on each of those four topics there. Uh, so the first one, something that presents the gospel. Now some key things here, uh, I think it, it's pretty obvious we do want to present the gospel uh, to the people that are coming along, uh, but some things uh, that maybe you should think about a little bit more than you have already, uh, I think we need to show clearly the distinctives of the Christian faith. Uh, so how things like how grace and justice meet at the cross, uh, the historical facts and implications of the resurrection, the evidence and reliability of the scriptures, uh, and the fact that we're inviting people to a, into a relationship with the living Lord Jesus. These things set the Christian message uh, apart from all other false religious views that people could be looking uh, at, you know, the Christian belief is on the same par as all these things. So I think it's very important for us to point out and major on the distinctives uh, that the message that we're bringing. Second thing uh, is to show uh, the goodness of the message. Uh, now I think uh, we need to show the truth of the message and what's wonderfully good about that message as well. I think we can become sort of experts at explaining the logic and the evidence for Jesus, the message. Uh, but I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of forgetting to show how beautifully good this news is. Uh, a loving, sacrificing God offering uh, you forgiveness and a relationship back with him. So that's something that in our structures we want to go, how are we presenting as long with the logic and the evidence the fact that no this isn't just some thing that you think about and you know and believe this is this is a relationship this is an amazingly good news so that's something that you want to uh, I think think you know is our course is our series doing that uh, third thing uh, we want to present uh, the gospel in its parts and its whole maybe that's uh, pretty uh, obvious, uh, but this means that you need to deal with the key parts of the gospel, big parts of it, you know, the complexities of that, uh, and then need to throw it back together in the, the bigger message and how that fits together. And you, I find that you, we have to do this repeatedly. We have to like dig into uh, sin, and then you have to put that in the context of the message, and you have to dig into forgiveness, and you, you go back and forth, back and forth for quite a long time. Uh, people aren't just going, because when a new sort of click clicks in their head, it doesn't automatically trigger all the rest like dominoes out of that. So I think it's helpful for us to be thinking, you know, how are we presenting the gospel in its whole, not just at the end, the last week sort of thing, and go, we did we did the door, and we did, did it work, no. Um, you know, I think we want to be thinking how are we doing it in the whole and how are we doing it in sections there as well. So the second thing uh, 
in sort of how and what we're going to be doing is we want to allow inquirers the time and place they need. Uh, now, we've already mentioned this with Sam, and the things that we are talking about in the realm of fairy tales. Um, it seems crazy, or, uh, it, or they could be in a position where to... They, they believe what their whole family has always believed. They believe what their wife believes, um, what they've been teaching their children. Uh, to, to change their views on those things will have such gigantic implications on their life. Uh, it's terrifying for them. Uh, the relationships, their identity, yeah, how they parent, how they are a husband, what they spend their time doing. Uh, those things, there's so much on the line for people, uh, you can understand why this isn't just a quick, easy fix. Yet, this is a little bit of an aside, but generally I find young people um, uh, work faster with this. And my guess is it's because they've got less on the line. They've only been stuffing up for the last 25 years. And they you know, think, yeah, I figured I didn't know much and that kind of thing. The, you know, the, the, a 50-year-old man who's raised his kids in a certain way or, like, that's huge for him. So, obviously, I think it takes time, so we want to allow that time for them. Now, I don't know what Herdy was talking about. We don't do 10 weeks of uh, mortal life. We do, yeah, we do 36 weeks of it. Um, so now I'm not going to uh, do this too often. Uh, two times I'll mention sort of what our, my work here because I don't think what EV is doing is what it should like, look like in other contexts. But to give you an idea about uh, where this idea is hitting the, rub, the road here for us, what we do is run the life series for six weeks. And then, and then out of that, we run Mortal Life. Now... In that, so life is a bigger event down there in the foyer, smart guy up the front, a relatable guy next to him, and you, you know, you're, you're hearing content, you're having chats on tables, uh, and then, you, but you're just with your friend, and then after that, we do more life, uh, and we're, it's still an event, but we're transitioning into smaller Bible so, sort of study things. We just go, you know, after six weeks of hearing a smart guy, we want you to start reading the Bible for yourself, start to dig into that, see what you think about it. <coughs> uh, and it sort of transitions less from an event over time into just getting into those groups and, and reading it there. Now, something else that we do intentionally to help with this issue, needing it to be long, uh, is the fact that we run it on the same day and time of the week all the time. Now, that's got its advantages and disadvantages. Uh, if someone cannot come on Tuesday, they can never come to life here. Uh, we do it Wednesday morning as well. Um, but yeah, if they can't do that day of the week, then they can't come along. But we have found the benefits of what we've built over overarches the disadvantages. So what we have created is, you know, so a 36-week thing, but then, of course, it's always on, it overlaps, so pretty much any time through the whole year, people can enter into this structure on a Tuesday night uh, and people can go to life, uh, touch more to life, decide you aren't know, too much, I'm going to go back to life. And we go, sweet, no worries, man, it's on, just to go down the hill. Uh, or if groups are shrinking, we put them together because they already know each other because they've been hanging out. And people jump, they catch up, that kind of thing. But, so we've tried to change and shape our ministry there 
uh, what this engine looks like to try to make it as long a thing as possible so people can live in there for as long as uh, they need to. Um, all right, I'll move on. Um, important thing to consider, we're creating a time and a place for adults to investigate Jesus properly. To do that, it's not just long. Anything can just be long. But something we need to do is we need to create the opportunity for people to push back on what they're hearing. Um, so that's just how I think normal thought works and, and deciding things. Uh, people need to ask questions. People need to have discussions around tables. People need to have discussions and opportunities to do that in groups, and they need to be encouraged to do that. Uh, they're not just going to hear it and go, yep, that makes sense, and I understand the implications. They need to, over discussion, help connect the dots between what they're hearing and coming to believe. Uh, it needs to fit well in the calendar, but not just fit well in your in your church calendar. I think it really needs to drive your first cal- your church calendar. I think I think it's it's a great thing for your church to say, yeah, let let's figure out when when the best time of the year is for this kind of thing for the outsiders, uh, and we'll dump it in there, and we'll work the rest of our stuff around that, uh, but not just the overarching big year calendar, I think you need to consider the day of the week, which is best, the time of the day that is best. Like, you know, when is the ideal time for our people to be inviting people along and also uh, when is the ideal time for our guests to come along and where does that fit in the year? Um, Now, through that, if we're going to have like a really long structure, you are going to have disruptions, but we want to minimise that. We want to minimise the disruptions uh, people have through this process. Um, Get rid of as many clunks as possible. Uh, Now, I reckon if there's one big thing that I could go back and change about how I've worked in this area, it's this. Uh, We've, I think Sam mentioned a little bit of it there. Um, I thought it was all about the big, the event, the six weeks life series, and then I'll figure out the how I'm going to look after those people later. Uh, so that you know, what that looked like was uh, back then was a s- sort of a small event, as cool as it could be, in a cafe with as many inquiries as we could. Uh, and then at the end of it, you go, "Well, look, look, four out of the six people said they think they might want to become Christians and do more." I'm stoked. Three said they are Christians. Give myself a high five. And the guy who was like working with me said, but what's the plan now? And I said, I'll oh, figure it out, kind of thing. And, um, and you know, I pro- I probably, probably took me two weeks to get back to him. Probably took me, you know, it was just a shock. It was just a shocker. And, and to see it just sort of like taper off. What, I've, what I needed to realise and what I consider now is we're not talking about two things, the event or the series and then follow-up. It's just one thing. It's just one thing. <laughs> um, you know, don't break it like that. Uh, so how that has started to sort of play out in our world, and this will be the only other time I uh, explain what we're doing here, uh, is um, we've gone, yeah, we've got this thing called life. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, we we want to do effective follow-up out of that. Uh, what will we call it? We'll call it more to life. Because, okay, that's, you've been at life, come to more to life. Where are we going to do it? Like, let's do it in the same venue as we do life. Can we do that? Let's pick a venue that we can do that in. Um, how long will we wait between the two? Well, they've been coming along for six weeks. It seems fine. We're not going to wait. We, don't, we do, don't wait one week. We say, see you back here next week. Uh, 
we, I start talking about more to life probably three weeks before. It's just like coming up to the near, near the end of life. You guys seem like you're enjoying it. Don't worry. You know, there's going to be something, you know, that kind of thing. If there's going to be people there that, you know, will be caring for these people, I'm trying to, like, profile them slightly at the life event, uh, even getting people up who are going along to mortal life at the moment just to mention what that's like, how does it feel, all the way down to the event. So some things I own. I say, look, it is going to feel different. It's going to be smaller, but, hey, that's cool. We're going to have a barbie instead. And, we, you know, you sort of own it and you sort of have a bit of fun with that. Other things we try to smooth out as much as we can. So I've been up the front a bunch of times at life. I'll get up the front at Mortal Life. They're used to listening to someone up the, up the front. I'll do that. I'll talk for like five minutes up the front. And it's pretty much just say something without stealing any of the thunder of what they're about to read in the Bible. There's no purpose at it for it whatsoever, ever, other than the fact that these people are used to coming in, listening to someone, and then having a discussion, and we're going like, I just want to... And then after about five weeks, we'll be like, look, you guys don't need to hear me banging on anymore. Uh, how about you just next week come in, just jump straight into those groups. And then by week six uh, of that, I need to start life again. And so, there's, you know, you joke around that the longer you're with us, the worse the room gets. But they still come in, they still take the food, take the coffee, do everything we do, still meet there, and then they move up into one of the other rooms here at church. So there's just a little bit of a picture of like how I'm trying to, in that long structure, smooth out all those clunks, stop those, as many as those disruptions as possible. Now, other things that can be disruptive, I think uh, time can be disruptive. So as I said, breaking for holidays because you like going on school holidays, consider if you need to do that or not. If the people in your group are happy and meeting, I'd do everything I can to not break. Uh, you know, can you start your follow-up straight after the series? I think that, think that would be ideal. Style, uh, if you're doing some amazing thing in a cafe, um, but your follow-up is going to be in this guy's back shed for some reason, you know, I'd probably consider doing the event near or close to the shed as well. You know, like, you just got to think, like, um, you know, changing style completely, going from, like, amazing food to zero food or something like that, that's just going to be really weird. Um, so how can you iron that out there? So style, location, you sometimes have to do it, but how can you do it best? How can you transition people and people, the people who are looking after, you know, like, if the first week of their follow-up series, you introduce them to a stranger and say, here's someone who's going to look after you from now on, see you later. Or a stranger calls them up and I say, I hear you've been going along to this series that I haven't been coming along to, someone gave me a number, uh, and now you're coming to my house. Um, that's terrifying. Um, you'll get some people to go, but they're going to be pretty odd people prepared to do that, or God's doing a real amazing thing in their life. Um, uh, now, I'll move on to the next thing. Something your church can have confidence in. Now, I think this is key. Uh, you've heard it down there. You'll hear it tomorrow. Sam mentioned it as well. Uh, in short, uh, people will not invite to something uh, if they're not on... If People will not invite to something if they don't have confidence in it. And if, you, if people don't have confidence in your structure, your structure is just going to be empty. Uh, we have quite a large 
presence here in our community and we're only just now seeing some people coming along to life off their own back. Uh, the bread and butter is your people having confidence in something and inviting them along to it. Um, so how do you help people have confidence in this structure? So not all, you know, every structure, but this structure. Uh, I think you want to sell people the vision. You want to sell your church the vision of how this piece of the puzzle fits with the rest of it. I think we so often keep the hood down on our church and like how, why we're organising things and how we're organising things. How stoked would your church be if you had one of those rainbow funnels and you could explain to them all these, the reasons behind all these events and series and groups that you're putting on and you could, they could see the logic in, oh, okay, because so, people are a long way away, I'm... That's why we do that, and that's why we do this, and that's why we do that. It's not just, this will be good, invite. This will be good, invite, which we, I think we so often do. That's going to be empowering, exciting. They know, like, oh, you're actually smart. You're not just shooting bullets off into the, into the sky and hoping for the best. Uh, and, 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 you know, and, and that's important. And they actually see how important their part is in it. Okay, all that is there. This, great, that looks awesome. I'm on board. I want to make it happen. But it's empty if we don't invite to it. That's worth inviting to. Um, so I think that's really important to see there. Sell that vision to your, to your church of what it is and why it's there. Uh, look, good events build confidence. High quality needs to be sensitive and accessible to the outsiders. Again, you guys have heard a little bit about this. If someone is crazy enough to invite to something that they have no confidence in, like they're not going to be that crazy twice. Like, if you drop the ball, if it's terrible, they're going to feel that weight of that relationship burn so much. You know, they'll be like, oh, mental note. If church says invite, it'll be good. Don't believe them. They'll stuff it up again. Um, now, I think uh, it's easy for us to be a bit lazy and just think it's good enough. Uh, you know, if they're being converted, they're being converted. God will do his work. All we've got to do is rock up and you know, toss two ways to leave the people out the car door or whatever, you know. You've got, you got to put in effort. Um, the, which means you have to care about stuff that we'd, it'd be great not to care about. Um, the, what the event feels like, what the, what the setting is, what the music's like, what the food's like, who are the people up the front, uh, stuff that you might not care about, but the culture that we're reaching to, into to pull people out of do care about these things, so we have to care about them as well. Now, let's be cl clear and, you know, straight with each other. Our, our events are never going to be the cool, like the coolest events. There's, they are what they are. It's still just a church event. But I've got, to, as a general rule, <laughs> maybe this is shooting the bar a little bit low, but as a general rule, I want people to come along and say, huh, that was better than I was expecting. <laughs> just a bit. You know, so like the food, the coffee, the vibe, the you know how you know how relaxed it was, how non-awkward it was, how I wasn't you know felt awkward and and backed into a corner. It was a bit better than I thought. And I think if people come along and have that experience, like yeah, it was good, and I'll come back next week. Uh, and I think generally that's what we see happen. Uh, third thing, I think we want to celebrate uh, conversions. 
uh, through these structures. So you want to point that out to church. You want to tell people uh, when people have professed faith at life. You want to highlight it uh, when people, uh, you know, if you've got a big event. So I slip into saying life every now and then probably. It doesn't have to be life. My one's called life. So that's why I might call it that every now and then. Uh, like a series, um, an, an event, uh, if people are becoming Christians there, hold that up and say, look, this structure is working, it's effective, uh, and hear from those people. Uh, I think it's great to hear. So what happened? Some average Joe like me asked a mate to come along, and he came, and then he got converted at this thing. That's great. Uh, and that, that grows confidence in what you're building there. Uh, now, fourth thing, I think it needs to be able to grow. Uh, now, there's, these are sort of like benefits. I think quite often we sort of wrestle at this point as, um, hmm, as, uh, as church workers. We often sometimes think, you know, is it quality over quantity? If I release my hold of this too much, uh, you know, is the quality going to dive? Uh, because I'm really the only one who can do the best type of evangelism. And maybe you can do really great evangelism, but the fact that, you know, you can't evangelise your whole the whole Central Coast here, for instance, uh, you're going to be a bottleneck at that point. So it needs to be able to grow. And what we've seen in growing it, uh, this series, life and more life as big as possible, is a bunch of uh, benefits. Uh, it's attractive and creates an energy. And that's for the outsider. They come along, there's a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of different questions, people from different places. It feels great uh, for the Christian and the outsider. Uh, more opportunity for people to be... Uh, involved in evangelism. Uh, so more people, Sam mentioned it, you, you can have structures and ministries where people can be doing evangelism now, throwing themselves into mission. I feel like sometimes it's the area of church life, like you, do, you might do mission at home and then you get stuck in the ministry at church. It's great to have tangible mission evangelistic structures in your church that people can be busy in. It keeps your best people in the game. We've got great people here at church, like Leslie Ramsey and Phil Hayes, stuff like that. Like they're, they're great, really good evangelists. The last time they had an actual normal friend was probably 20 years ago. All their family and friends have been converted or they're just sick of them and they've written them off. Um, you know, they're not going back to uni. They're not getting another brother. Um, <laughs> You know, they, they might snag someone, in, you know, interesting enough. Like, yeah, every, every three years maybe a hairdresser will come along or something like that. But when it comes to those close, deep relational connections, people have a, you know, a certain number and then it's very hard to make very close, very good friendships again. Uh, where if you have a structure like this in your church... Uh, all those people who are the best evangelists can be busy doing evangelism to a bunch of the non-Christian contacts uh, of, say, Matt. And all Matt can do is invite. You know? he, but he can invite and then gets to sit next to Leslie Ramsey. And, and it's great. And that's good for Matt. It's good for the friend. You're making the most of the contacts that your church has there. Um, Follow-up is better and easier Everything's hard when it's small, I reckon. So you start with you start with 20 inquiries at an event. By the end, that's 10. Five of them say yes to more life. Three of them turn up. And it's a 21-year-old girl and two 50-year-old blokes. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. That's, that's going to make a really nice 
And then you're scrambling. It's like, who could I get within my church to meet up with this girl? Who could I, that kind of thing. When, when you're dealing with more people, I think you can have be, bigger, better events full of energy, but then your follow-up is easier as well because you have enough people to put together like-minded, similar age, gender stuff, interest stuff, where they're at with the gospel, like that you can keep the angry atheists over there and the warm, I think I'm a Christian people over here. Um, it's cost-effective uh, and more people are saved. In the end, you want people to be investigating Jesus so they can be saved, so the more people we can get through that, the more people get saved. That's what we found here at least. Uh, now, this is just a few things when it comes to, and I'll finish about three minutes, I reckon, uh, critical mass uh, verse ratio and venue. So again, this is around the growth issues. Uh, so I think it's something that we have to wrestle with. What's the critical mass? Matt said 50-50, that feels great. I reckon you're right, that does feel great. Add it up to a certain point. If you're talking like you've got two inquirers, 50-50 still going to be pretty weird. It's going to be the guys talking, you and the two. So that's a bit hard. So, yeah, 50-50 is wonderful, especially at the start of your series because it's probably going to, that ratio is going to flip. Um, but at a certain point, say when you're quite small and you want to try to build whatever you're doing into an event or a bigger series, think about, you know what, I'm going to have to bring some Christians into this um, to, to pump this up, but then you just have to have a bit of care. How am I going to equip those Christians not to be weirdos, not to be, you know, five guys and the one non-Christian, they each take turns evangelising him or whatever it is. Or like, oh, question time, is it? Yeah, what happens to something from Bible study the night before or something? Um, frequency, I think our temptation is to fire too early, to go... Three non-Christians hanging around church. Let's do it. Let's let's pull the trigger on Christianity Explored. And you do it, blah, blah, blah. And you know, it's a small group in a house somewhere. Could be good. And then six weeks later, there's another two. If we wait too long, maybe they'll be gone. Let's do it again. And you fire off, fire off, fire off. And we've seen that a few times in our context here, uh, where you've fired, fired, fired. And then, you've, you know, then when it comes around to the next term, you try to put on the event and literally zero people turn up. Uh, I think you have to trust the rest of your structures that Sam's talking about to keep people warm, to keep people around uh, and think, you know, if, we, if we're in a transition to like a bigger event style thing, let's do one at the start of the year, one later on. Let's not do four in the first year. Uh, it will, they'll, you need to save up some inquiries to get some momentum there. Style and format. Uh, does it work? Are people engaging, enjoying it? Um, I'll skip that because I'm out of team. Time and teams. If we're going to grow, it means you can't rely. It can't rely on you anymore. You need to uh, work with the people around you. So, and I see every night of life and more life like that. We're a team, and we've all got our different places. There is the smart guy kicking the goals, but he can't get around to all the tables. So, who's going to connect the dots on those tables? Who's going to help? those guys think through who's going to that kind of thing who's who's this so how are we as we grow all the things that we want to tick how are we going to continue to do that even when maybe the the distance between the paid staff or pastor and the inquirer might be might be growing and we i see nothing but strength there with more people comes 
more skills, more strength, that kind of thing. And you need all types of people. Because you do get very strange people along, you need very strange people on your teams as well. Because they're the only ones sensitively, you know, whatever it is, enough to know to, to cope with this. And you know, and to, to be able to go, Matt, I heard there's a Matt. I've, I've been asked to come to talk, sit next to a Matt. And, and you just be like, finally, some recognition. Yes, come with me. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Because we get all types of people. If, yeah, Andrew Hayes, he's around. He's great. He's an evangelist. But he's like jumping off the walls. You put him next to this quiet, gentle guy. He's like, oh, that guy's a jerk. I hate him. So... You need the introverts, you need older, younger, men, women, uh, bold and, and quiet. I think, you know, with that, that can come such a, such a strength and you'll be able to look after a lot of people in that. I think I'll stop there because we're out of time. Style and format. We are out of time and I've lost my pages because I was just like flicking through stuff. What's this? I might talk into this instead. <laughs> Matt what Matt said the back end the paperwork okay. Okay. <laughs> well you know Matt's pointed out there's the structures in place um, uh, but then there's the, the paperwork behind uh, seeing the participants as individuals we are putting on bigger structures but along with that you need to be looking after each person as an individual so that's a key part of uh, a bigger event uh, part of that work is inviting and re-inviting you, you hear from the guys uh, on the membership team or welcoming team there's these people around they want to come you invite people come along to life uh, and they drop out. They need to be re-invited. Uh, you need to have that kind of work that Matt's got there so you're able to do that kind of work. Understanding who is there, uh, where they are at the gospel, uh, so, they, so you can help uh, them take that next helpful step. Uh, and noticing who's dropping out and caring for them and their Christian friend. So something that we'd always do, work really hard at figuring out who's there in the room. And that's tricky and that takes time. So the first... The first night of our first life this year, we had 138 people at it and uh, about 40% of them were inquirers and we don't ask people to like sign in at the door. So figuring out who was there, that's significant work, uh, but we want to know who's there. So when people stop coming, uh, we can call up uh, Sam and say, Sam, you and your mate stop coming, is there a problem? And it might just be, yep, babysitter died, no worries, we'll be there next week. Or it could be, or it could be he hated it. He heard that thing about sin and he's out. Um, in that case, I want to have a conversation with Sam and say, look, what's the next step? But also encourage you, you've done well, you've got him there. This isn't the end of your friend's road here. Um, and let's, um, you know, let's pray for him over the phone right now. All right, I think I'll stop talking. Cool. I'll, I'll, um, I reckon the format thing's quite important for us. So, um, and I think you guys run it similar to us. We, we kick off with just kind of, as, as, as they do, coffee, cake, uh, hang out and just mingle. Uh, and that kind of gives you a good opportunity to welcome people, to work the room, get to know who's there and those sorts of things. Um, we then move into a brief intro by the MC and then a, an introductory question. And that just kind of 
lubricates conversation at the table. Um, people, uh, different table leaders use that in a different way. Some people kind of follow the script exactly. Uh, other people just kind of abandon it straight away and go with their gut instinct. Um, and that's fine, we're happy for them to do that. Um, we then move into a talk after the introductory question where you get that opportunity to really clearly articulate that aspect of the gospel that's on that evening. So it might be sin, might be the cross, might be the resurrection, might be the reliability of the Bible, whatever it might be. Um, and then after that, they get more time to go back and forth with their table leader and have that conversation about the talk and the, the ideas that were raised. Um, uh, sometimes... Uh, Early on, usually uh, people don't engage heaps with the Bible in that discussion time, but then later on in the series, so kind of week four, week five, that's when they're asking questions really about what the Bible says about that issue, that issue and table leaders are able to open the Bible and talk to them about that at that point, for us anyway. And then uh, after that, we have a Q&A session. And a Q&A session, I think, is really important for us. Uh, I think it does a number of things for our for our people, I think it builds confidence for our people. So if you bring your friend along, it's the first time you've ever been to the Life Series and your friend asks like this crazy question uh, and then the person up the front is able to answer that in a really clear and articulate way that your friend is there then like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, or that you can then continue to dialogue with them on that. Uh, that builds confidence in the Gospel. And that builds confidence in the Bible that there is actually answers to the hard questions out there uh, in the pages of the Scriptures. And so, uh, in a way, you're actually training your people to be confident in the Bible and you're helping them to think about, oh, how would I answer that question the next time I, I'm having a conversation with someone about that? It also gives you an opportunity to then re-articulate the Gospel with every single question that's asked. Um, one of the things... Uh, our, one of our young guys does. He, he, he uh, does the Life Series talks at the moment. And uh, whenever he gets asked a question, it's amazing to watch, actually. He goes straight back to the Bible. He opens the passage. He explains the passage and re-articulates the gospel. And it's a wonderful opportunity to just re-articulate the gospel over and over again every time uh, a question is asked. And so there's loads and loads of benefits. And I think the way that it's kind of uh, we've built that series and these guys have built that series. Uh, actually, it doesn't, and this is kind of going back to the question that was asked over here before, it doesn't disempower the person in the congregation and say, you can't do the work of evangelism. Uh, all you can do is invite. But what it does is once they've made that invitation, they then get swept up in the conversation on the table and they get kind of carried along with this work of evangelism. And we find lots and lots of times that the conversation that they have with their friend on the way home in the car are the most significant chats they've had with their, with their friends about Jesus. Uh, so I think there's a lot in uh, the way that you format and the way that you kind of lay out that series if you're going to do it like that. Okay. Yes, question up the back. Adrian? Mm. Yeah, so what we find here is um, 
most of the inquirers uh, at life um, have come to life, oh, to, to church, sorry, um, most, uh, but it's still a large portion haven't. Uh, and we're not really putting any pressure on them to come along to church unless we've got like Easter or Christmas or something like that. And we just think, you know, that's a, it's a really warm invitation that we could offer to them and that's going to feel really good, like come along, do Easter with us, that kind of thing. Um, but then if they do the Life Series uh, and then they stick around and they're in more to life, uh, we've sort of got, you know, after a few weeks, we'd definitely be suggesting to the Mortal Life leader or me from the front in that little nothing talk, um, saying, you know, we'd love to have you along to church and inviting them along. Um, but it, it probably is more formally that at the point where the Mortal Life leader is having that discussion saying, um, you know, I think I do believe these things or I, I want to wrestle this stuff more or I'm enjoying reading the Bible. It's like, you should come along to church with us, yeah. We, we probably find the opposite. We find that most people who come to our life series have not yet been to church. Um, so their first point of contact with us is usually the life series. Um, and they've been invited along by a friend or, or, or something like that. Um, I'm a big believer in non-Christians being in and around church. Um, and I think it's great for them to not only uh, see the core big ideas of the gospel, but then to, for them to then be able to interact with a Christian worldview. And I think that's what they get at church. They get a Christian worldview and they get to see people living in community with one another. So we try to make a fairly big effort, particularly in weeks four and five, we try to make sure we're inviting people both from the front and also on tables along to church. Um, at that point. Yeah. We actually used to run our exploring store group during the week on a weeknight. And what we found was for so many people in our context, it's inner city, people are working long hours. They, can't, they couldn't make it on a weeknight. And so we actually transitioned it to after church on a Sunday. It's from 1 to 2.30 p.m. with a lunch. And we've had way more success then. And we're, what we're seeing is most people are coming to church and then coming straight in to explore um, and yeah, we've, I reckon the series has doubled because of that and you, you get people getting into church quicker, uh, hanging around afterwards, connecting. Uh, so we've seen a lot of fruit out of that. Now you don't have to do that, that just worked in our context, but it was really good. Another one from the couch. Yeah, so, sorry, can't see you. Um, so we've uh, been been there, uh, and uh, I think uh, we we have wanted to see early early wins to get a few runs on the board for that momentum. Um, so, um, you know, paid staff have worked hard to see people convert in some type of one-on-one -on -one type of thing. But very, very early on, we thought, no, we want an event because of all the benefits it brings. So let's do a small event. Uh, you know, what's the venue, the best venue? What's that size going to be, that critical mass? What's that ratio then going to look like? How are we going to make that? 
Uh, how are we going to work as hard as we can to make sure those inquiries get along? Um, you know, and then get get you get, you know push hard for you guys to get on board. But in early days, it's it'll be an off-site venue like a cafe, uh, where 15 people in a room isn't weird. That's that's nice and normal. Uh, yep, two three inquirers there, um, and everyone else in the room knows how to be helpful, uh, and not not uh, make them feel like the the what everyone's doing there on the night, looking after those two people. Yeah, we kind of started, when we first started, we started with a bang. And so our first couple of series were quite big. And then it, it just kind of all shriveled after that. Uh, people had run out of invitations. Um, and so we got to the point where we were, we, we were running events for two or three people. What we uh, tried to do at that point is actually get a growth group to host it. Um, and so we had a growth group uh, and we spoke to their leaders and uh, we talked to them about that. And, and uh, so they came along uh, for, for the five weeks for our series. Uh, they sat themselves at a different table and they, we, we developed like a little workbook that they could go through um, that they could kind of interact with. Well, how might we think about these issues? How would we talk to our friends about sin, about the cross, about the resurrection? so on and so forth. Um, while at the same time, having another table uh, with our two or three inquirers and a couple of other, uh, and a couple of um, uh, table leaders and the Christian friends at that table. Um, so just so like that's one way we've yeah, kind of... Rigging it big time to make it just big enough to feel good. I reckon that's the... That, well, they're listening to the talks and interacting with the talks, but interact, it was, it, we kind of ran it as a training event, if you like, for, for that growth group. Yeah, yeah there's a question there. More to life, yeah. Yep, I'd say uh, everyone on the Mortal Life team would be out at least two nights a week. So their their own growth group, and then uh, this group that they're a leader of. Uh, and uh, I think the ministry attracts a really high quality person who is probably really active and busy in other ministries as well. But to tell you the truth, I reckon it's a wonderful ministry, and I couldn't tell them to stop coming if I wanted to. Um, they're like. So I don't, they don't even, they're not even my friends. Um, someone's already done six weeks of work with them and they want to keep investigating Jesus and I just get to come along and watch them become Christians and help them. Yeah, I, I think I'll do that. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing because people don't become Christians at life, or almost always. It's in that, should have seen his Bible study last night, Mick got it, like, it's really... Really wonderful ministry. Yeah. 
all, all, all of those, yep. Uh, a mixture. Um, you know, at certain times in our life of church, we go, you know, we've got a re- well, we don't have any of the sort of, anyone who could relate easily to the 40 or younger woman. We got to, who are we going to recruit into that to, to fit that um, thing? Um, but yeah, we, we do some general training with them on how to do this, and we have pretty good resources uh, to equip them in how they do it. But it's fairly sort of, because it's static, you do the same studies. Once you've done it a few times, it's not, it's this exciting, it's good, and they know how to do it, and they look forward to, oh, I love this study. You know, let's get into it, that kind of thing. Yeah. On the back of that, um, as you're getting your table leaders together, um, I'm inviting Greg and our English teacher and Mike to come and be our three table leaders for life. Am I saying I want you to come and do take this table for life and more to life and then become their growth group leader? Is that the sort of long-term thinking planning? Yeah, so what we have at the moment is not that. We've got separate teams uh, and we try to lessen the clunks, the breaks by, you know, introducing or, you know, inviting to and highlighting that that kind of thing. Um, But early on when we were smaller, we did have that kind of planning often. Said like, you know what, the follow-up leader is going to be Adrian. Let's get him to MC that event. So that's going to be a sweet, you know, um, minimising those things there. Um, but, yeah, we don't have – quite often a table leader might go, oh, I'm su- I've become such good mates with Sam, I'm going to go to Mortal Life with him. Uh, and sometimes I've had to, because we don't have enough Mortal Life leaders, had to reach into other mission teams and said, can you step up and be a Mortal Life leader as well uh, for a period of time. Within it, we're, we're a smaller church. Uh, I ask people for a six-month commitment usually, so that takes them through Explore and the Explore group. That's about how long now. It's a bit less than 36 weeks, but it's pretty good. Um, and usually we find at the start they're like, oh, I'm not sure about that, but um, you can usually sell them on that, six months. But I've found nearly everyone who does that for six months, at the end of six months, they want to go again. Like, they're so excited by it. They've seen the fruit of it. They're just stoked to do it again. And what the other people we, I love getting back in is the new converts. I invite them to come back as well because for non-Christians, they're, and they're asking me what does it mean to be a Christian. They want to know the person who became a Christian six months before, what was it like? And they're the best evangelists. They're the best people to have in the groups as well. So I, I invite all the new Christians back to be part of it and they love it because they've been through it and it's, they've seen their fruit in their own life and they want to tell other people as well. So, yeah. yeah, question? I think, yeah, I think for us, um, so uh, the way that our, our follow-up series works, we actually roll from our life series into Christianity Explored 
and then to a kind of firm, what we call firm foundations, which is 10 Bible studies on the foundations of the Christian faith that help them to explore what, what it now looks like to live with Jesus. Um, usually what we find is people become warm to the gospel in the first series. Um, if people stick around long enough, uh, it's during the Christianity Explored series that they're actually, uh, they make a commitment. And Christianity Explored is really good at, uh, uh, I think the last series, I haven't run it for a long time, I think the last one is called Come and Die, and it kind of gives that challenge for you. Uh, and so during that process, people get a pretty good idea, the leaders get a pretty good idea of where people are at. Uh, with regards to their own faith. Um, have they understood the gospel? Have they understood who Jesus is, what his mission was? Have they accepted that for themselves in their life? <clears throat> and at that point, we want to encourage them to have further conversations with those people, just in a one-on-one -on -one setting. Uh, and the other thing I do is I just kind of make sure I grab those people. I know they've been floating around our structures. I try and grab them at church and have a conversation, eyeball them, ask them, you know, where you're at now with Jesus, you've been coming along to this thing for a while. Um, and that's usually at some point during our Christian Explored series, that's when they've made that firm decision to follow Jesus. Yeah. Right up the back. Yeah, that's a great question. How do, you, how do you get success in seeing people move from contact multiplication into the life of the church? Um, it depends on the event. So for our carols event, um, we, our big goal is to get them along to our Wave Kids Club program. And so we actually hand out uh, to all of every single kid that comes, so around about 3,000, we give them, um, uh, what are those things called? Little slap bands, that's right. Little slap bands that um, advertise it. So it says Wave Kids Club, and it's got the website, www.wavekidsclub.com, and that, they go to that and they can register. And then in our stats at the Wave Kids Club, um, our registration process says, uh, how did you first hear about us? And it's got a bunch of drop down uh, a drop-down menu and one of the things you can say is carols and so we get a bunch of families who indicate that their first contact with us was actually through the carols um, so but it's kind of hit and miss at that point uh, because carols is such a big event um, I think uh, with something like Christmas or Easter what you really want to be want to want to be doing is working your kind of welcoming and membership programs, uh, uh, pathways. And so you want to be counting the people who are there. You want to be kind of working out, having people sitting in the service, working out who's there. So this is what Adrian does at the Life Series. Um, obviously, if there's a thousand people in the room, that's going to be really hard. But if there's, 
you know, 200 people in a room, this is actually a really achievable thing to do. You can work out who's there, okay, we don't know that person, they seem to be sitting with this person, and you can just get someone to take notes on all those things, and then you make a bunch of phone calls afterwards. Hey, I noticed you were sitting with this person, how did that go? Was that a friend, was that your family? Do they live in Newcastle, or wherever it is you live? Um, and probably Newcastle's not a relevant piece of information for you, but... Uh, and, and then you can actually follow up through that process there. Um, and at that point, you want to, be, want to be asking the person, if that person is a contact who they've invited along to church, you want to be asking them, what do you think the next step for that person is? Okay? Um, 